Welcome in to another edition of Finding Freedom. Before we get rolling today, I want to quickly tell you about I Trust Capital. If you're someone who maybe has a you know an old 401k that you moved into an IRA somewhere when you left a job, you just have the money sitting there. What do you do with it? Try to invest in stocks, whatever other bull crap out there. What if you could invest that money in crypto? Invest it in physical gold and silver. Well, you can do that with iTrust Capital. But with iTrust Capital, you have the tax benefits of an IRA while trading in crypto assets. And on top of that, like I said, you can also have access to buying physical gold and silver into your account. It's it's amazing. If you sign up using promo code LIONS, at iTrust Capital, you'll get the first month free. Now, iTrust Capital is safe and secure. Uh, they are backed by Coinbase Custody and Curve uh, to secure clients' digital assets. And they have $320 millions of insurance to make sure your funds are safe and secure. On top of that, they are trusted. They have 1,300 reviews on Trustpilot and they are 100% transparent in their fees, which you know I can't really say that about all other IRA providers. Now, whether you're holding your assets long-term or you want to buy and sell with the market, iTrust Capital's IRA gives your account or provides the account the lowest transaction fees for buying Bitcoin or, or other digital currencies. As an iTrust client, you'll be able to log into your account, make trades 24-7, trades execute in real time, and settle in seconds. Um, They offer more cryptocurrencies than any other crypto IRA provider out there, and they're adding more all the time. Go to itrustcapital.com, use promo code LIONS for your first month free. We are born free, and we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Welcome into another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast and my friends got a special special episode for you today I'm, i mean today's episode's great next week's episode i got an incredible guest lined up um one of probably one of uh the guests i've been most excited about um getting to talk to um someone who's been to prison, someone who's been a fugitive, someone who has uh made netflix documentaries about other people going to prison, getting trapped in prison. So you'll meet him next week. It's a, it's going to be a great show. But this week, this week's episode is a solo show. So just me today, I'm talking about uh, a lot of different topics that we got trending uh, in the news this week. And I know it's been a while since I've done uh, one of these solo shows. I do enjoy them. And every time I do them, I get pretty good feedback. So if you like what you hear throughout the course of this episode, if you like uh, hearing me talk about the news, talk about stories, get angry, get pissed off, do my Brian McWilliams impersonation, then please shoot me an email at uh, john at lionsofliberty.com or reach out to me on Twitter, John Odermatt on Twitter, uh, Instagram at John Odermatt on Instagram, 
and say, hey, keep it up, John. Talk about this. I want to hear you talk about this. Talk about that. Give me some ideas. Um, I know people love you know hearing my interviews, but I'm down for mixing it up because uh, there's a lot of shit going on out there that uh, that needs to be exposed. So I got my water. I got a little bit of uh, bullet uh, bullet bourbon, Kentucky bourbon. Drinking out of my those of you watching the uh, the video, which you can find on YouTube or Odyssey. We are still on YouTube. Um, we can't do anything with our YouTube channel. We have over five thousand subscribers, but we can't uh, you know we can't make money on it. We can't monetize it. We can't do super chats. We can't do any of that fun stuff because YouTube hates liberty and freedom. So whatever. Listen on Odyssey. Subscribe on Odyssey um, if you want to see the video. Uh, this whiskey glass here, this uh, drink glass here, is my favorite one. One <laughs> got it for free um, before I was married. When I was living by myself, uh, one of my buddies was crashing at my house for a couple weeks as he was between places, and uh, he just stole this from a from a bar one night. And uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm drinking in a bar when I drink from it. It's pretty nice. That's delicious. So let's jump into it, shall we? First story, we're jumping jumping right in the deep end here. This is, uh, you can't really ease into a story like this. This is just freaking crazy. So you might have seen the story this week. If you haven't, you're hearing it now. This is out of Huntsville, Alabama. And the title of the story tells you pretty much everything you need to know. Very sad and tragic story, a lot of unanswered questions. I do wonder if we will ever get any answers, though, based on the circumstances. Title of the story, Woman Missing for Two Weeks Found Dead in Police Van. In Police Department's parking lot. Obviously, with this happening, the family is speaking out and wondering what the heck happened. How did she end up in the back of a police van dead? Where's the video? Uh, when you think of places that have constant 24-hour, seven-days-a-week surveillance, what is the first place that comes to mind? Police station. So there's got to be video of it, and it should be very easy to link up the time frame when she went missing two weeks ago, the camera that should be on this police van, and watch it and figure out what the heck happened. It should take less than a day to see what time she got in there, how she got in there, who's responsible, was, uh, you know, is, is there a vehicle that it's in the area that dropped her off or threw her, threw her in there that, you know, needs to be put on notice for people to look out for. There should be something happening. Should know something. Police are saying nothing at all. <laughs> Allegedly, they claim that this police van is uh, never used and is left unlocked. Why would a police van with God knows what equipment inside, radios, who knows what else, why would it just be left unlocked in the police parking lot? It doesn't make any sense at all. This story is insane. And if it wasn't 2021 and the whole world had it lost its damn mind, I wouldn't even believe it. So, I, I mean, I'm hoping that something comes out here. We, we learn something for the family's sake, that that they are able to uh, determine what happened uh, to their loved one. Uh, very sad story, and you know, I, I this show, as you know, people who've listened for a long time, started out as a criminal justice show, Felony Friday, 
and I would talk about crazy stories in the criminal justice system. This honest, this story reminds me about when I wrote articles before I started the podcast, even a story that I would, uh, that I would write about, that I would break down, that I would, uh, that I would share. Uh, because honestly, at that time, there were not a lot of outlets, believe it or not, this is about 10, 12 years ago, that were sharing stories like this. So I would just search through the news, find crazy stuff that was happening, and, th- and then blast it out there. So, of course, we live in uh, t- in today's modern world, sites like the, the Free Thought Project, they blow this stuff up, they get it out there, and, and they're doing the uh, doing the work. So that's one of the reasons why... I don't do it as much as I used to with uh, talking about stories like this because so many people are helping to uh, to get the word out there. But this was just too crazy not to at least touch on. Okay, next, moving to everyone's – can we call him the most hated governor of all time, Gavin Newsom? Who's worse? Who's the worst governor? He's the most hated governor of uh, of my time that, uh, that I can remember. Gavin Newsom. Um, passing all kinds of extreme leftist legislation, uh, executive orders over this past week. Uh, the recall election obviously backfired and a uh, you know, big shocker. You know, if you saw during the recall election, if you saw the, uh, the mail-in ballots, you saw pictures of them, what they looked like, where you could actually see what the person's vote was <laughs> through the mail-in ballot, just, just ridiculous. And, and people... People don't even freaking care. They, they don't even they don't even care. So get out of California while you can if you're there. I'm talking to you, Brian McWilliams. Mark is already out somewhere in Mexico doing God knows what. So Gavin Newsom, what is he up to? And why does it suck? That could be a segment on its own. What is Gavin Newsom doing and why does it suck? Uh, he has banned... Small off-road gas engines, including lawnmowers and chainsaws, I'm assuming weed whackers and leaf blowers, uh, would be included in that as well. In that as well. So the new law requires a state to apply this rule by January 1st, 2024, or as soon as regulators determine it feasible, whatever that means. Uh, whichever date is later, according to the bill, um, the bill served as a as one step in the a governor in the governor's California comeback plan. That's what, that's how you come back. You crush the economy. You crush all of the uh, distributors of uh, of uh, of lawn care equipment. People making money that way. You just shove it right up their ass. That's how you bring the economy back, friends. That's how you do it. So obviously, he considers this a strong focus on ending climate change. Just just insanity. I, I've made a promise to myself that I will not buy an electric-powered mower, leaf blower, uh, weed whacker, chainsaw. Does that even work? Can you even have an electric-powered chainsaw? I don't believe it. I'm sure they exist, but they probably suck. Because... Why would I? That, I mean, that takes away all the fun of using that stuff. That, that's, I mean, that's part of the reason why I enjoy cutting the grass. It's uh, the whole tradition and the, uh, the, the routine and the, the, whole, the whole thing is 
it's fun. It makes it more fun. You're dealing with motors. You're using gasoline. It's loud. Uh, my, my leaf blower is loud as shit. It works fantastic. And I love it. Why would I want to end that? I mean, I'm not going to save the world by switching my one or two or three, you know, gas-powered tools to uh, to electric. And you know what? If the whole freaking United States did it, it wouldn't make a difference either because over in China and India, they're pumping out all kinds of uh, carbon into the atmosphere anyway. And that's not even to say that it even matters and carbon is even at the uh, at the cause or, or the root source, I should say, of climate change. That uh, very much is still up for debate. So we'll leave that one right there. Gavin Newsom, go screw yourself. So we're kind of picking up steam as we go here. Picking up steam. We started out talking with a ridiculously tragic story. Then we switched talking about the most hated governor. And now maybe the biggest story in the news right now. We're just going to we're just going to go right to it. And that of course vaccine mandates. Everyone's talking about vaccine mandates, of course. Everyone knows what happened with Southwest Airlines with the pilots striking, not striking, sick out, not sick out. CEO of Southwest Airlines comes out and says, um, it's not a strike, it's not a sick out, but I have to do the vaccine mandates because Joe Biden told me to. Governor of Texas, Abbott, comes in and bans vaccine mandates for all private businesses after already doing the same uh, for all uh, state government and local government agencies. And here we are. And here we are. We are at a uh, we're at a stalemate. At least we're looking at Southwest, looking at airlines. Um, what appears to be happening is Southwest is going to go with the federal government and uh, destroy their business, I guess. I guess that's what they're going to do. Um, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. I think, and I posted this on Twitter earlier uh, today. I'm recording this on Tuesday, October 12th. But I, I uh, post on Twitter today. Um, the year is 2022. There's one airline and everyone is vaccinated. 100% vaccination rate. Honestly, I feel like that is the direction we're heading in uh, pr- with airlines first. With the federal government, obviously, they're getting that point. The military is getting that point. Police forces will get to that point. Um, and eventually, that's where the private sector is, is going to be pushed into uh, in a 100% vaccination rate by pushing people out of the workforce. Now, that sounds like a black pill. I mean, that sounds like, uh, no, it sounds like a, a horrible thing, right? And it is. There's a lot of pain there. And... Uh, if you're someone like uh, like myself, who is pushing back against that, who is not going to comply with it, and that, that pain is is coming, it's coming for me, it's coming for for you. If you're someone doing the same, and it's it's going to get tough. I mean, I honestly, I, I wish I could say that I thought that this wasn't going to happen, but we've reached this point where the other side is so invested. And, you know, the pushback, people will say, well, Southwest Airlines, they're going to lose, you know, they're going to lose a bunch of pilots. They're going to lose a bunch of flight attendants. They can't hire enough people. They're going to have to cut their flights. They're going to lose money. People think you're thinking about it short term. Um, The people who are implementing these measures, who want to put these vaccine mandates in place, 
um, they're thinking 20, 30, 50 years down the line. They're not thinking six months, a year, or even five years. So I, I'm, I'm not even sure how quickly all this stuff will happen, but I can tell you assuredly the direction this is going. And the direction this is going is with pharmaceutical trackers, is with your phone tracking your medical information, and that medical information, that social credit score, uh, determining what you're able to access in society. That's coming. I'm, it is. And uh, I mean, is there much you can do about it from a political aspect? No, not really. I, I don't think there is. Um, I don't think there's much of a way to maybe you can slow it down. Uh, you know, maybe some states can uh, can hang on to freedom longer than others. Or maybe some states will become just uh, just bastions of freedom and will be able to hold out. I, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say how this will go, but I. You already see it in California, you see it in LA with their new vaccine mandate where um, bars and gyms and uh, restaurants and uh, movie theaters, you got to be vaccinated to get into those places now. Of course, they're still letting you grocery shop. They're still letting you go into pharmacies. So lucky uh, lucky you, out the people out there in California aren't vaccinated. You can still get the bare essentials. So good luck with that. And then turning to, just to kind of give you a, some justification for why I think this is going to happen, you don't have to look any farther than what is happening in the NBA with, uh, with Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, many NBA players have spoken out. I shouldn't say many. There's been like four or five. And they've, uh, they've been great advocates speaking out against vaccine mandates. It's been awesome to watch, Kyrie Irving being one of them. Um, but it came out today, you know, because he plays for the Brooklyn Nets and the vaccine mandate in New York City, um, where they play. I, I say Brooklyn Nets, but I still think of New Jersey Nets. I can't like get it. I can't get that out of my mind. It's crazy. Um, some of those things never change. So you can't you can't play in New York City because there's their COVID vaccine mandate. So it was you know he was saying he was going to play just the road games, not play the home games. Well, they've come out and said now uh, the management of the Brooklyn Nets has said that he can't play in any games, and it's a choice that that he's made. So the best thing for the team, because everyone else is vaccinated on the team, is for him not to play until he gets vaccinated. And they go on to say, it's kind of ridiculous. I'll, I'll try to find the, the quote here. Um, so uh, this is the GM, I believe, saying this. Again, my job here is to make what we deem as the best decision and best choices for the organization moving ahead as a whole. They're not always ones that are going to be met with open arms and thumbs up. These are hard decisions, just like I'm sure it wasn't easy for Kyrie either to have to make that decision to not be around his teammates. So, and he goes on to allude to it's Kyrie's decision. We respect his choice, but you can't play. And if this isn't modern day slavery, I, I don't know what is. I mean, it's, it's clear as day, you know, people point to, uh, I put in different things in the past with with athletes and and how owners control their athletes as being slavery and I, I, I some of them some of them those things are akin to slavery, but this saying you don't own your body, 
And unless you put this product from a pharmaceutical company in your body, you can't play on our team. You can't be a part of the franchise. I think he still will get paid for the road games, but not the home games. It's crazy that he's that they're able to that he's not getting paid for his full salary. Hopefully there's there's a lawsuit coming. Hopefully he doesn't back down from this. Hopefully he fights it. But like I said, the direction this stuff is going, this isn't a uh the Brooklyn Nets, the NBA. They don't think about it as, as one year. You think about it as they're going to lose money. Grand scheme of things, it's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. You have, uh, what, 5% of your players who aren't vaccinated. They can smoke them out. They can push them right out of the league. And uh, honestly, it wouldn't matter who it was. It wouldn't matter if it was LeBron James or I'm not as familiar with the NBA as I used to be. It wouldn't matter if it was if Michael Jordan was still playing and he didn't want to get vaccinated. They would push him out. That's how serious this situation is, and I don't think people understand it. Uh, they're coming for you. They, they are. And uh, I don't know if it's going to be this year, next year, five years from now. Biomedical passports, biomedical trackers are coming. So what do you do? Well, I want to talk to you about a new app that I've been uh, playing around with and using to uh, to network with like-minded people. It's called the Nomad Network. If you know Jason Stapleton, Wealth Powering Influence Podcast, he's been a guest on, uh, on Mark's show and Brian's show. Obviously, one thing he talks about is entrepreneurship and controlling the source of your income. If you know me, that is something I am passionate about as well, Getting mul- developing multiple streams of income what the Nomad Network is, it's a, it's a community of, of people just like you, uh, liberty-minded people, people who uh, want to create freedom, who want to take control of their life, who want to focus on entrepreneurship and investment, um, looking for side hustles, uh, looking for things like that. You can join for free by going to www.nomadnetwork.app slash lion. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're already a business owner, if you have multiple businesses, if you just are thinking about taking the first steps to start that business, great place to find motivation, to meet like-minded people, maybe to uh, run across some people who can do different things for you, to help you out, web development, uh, Facebook advertising, things of that nature. There's a job posting board. You can join for free. Just go to www.nomadnetwork.com dot app slash lion and check it out today okay and we are back i told you we were in it rolling took me a little while to get warmed up there feeling warmed up we're talking some covid we're talking the cathedral attacking your freedom the cathedral tracking your freedom the cathedral coming for your life But that doesn't mean we shouldn't push back because maybe I'm totally wrong and maybe things could break open. This will all be over next week. I doubt it. I I doubt that's going to happen. But we we can still buy time and it's worth buying time because as I talked about with the Nomad Network, you buy time, you make money, you get your money out of the system. Maybe you move to another country. Maybe you move to one of these states that are, you know, more, uh, more friendly to liberty, more friendly to freedom, Florida, Texas. Um, there's others, 
maybe you make that move. Got to control the source of your income to do that, though. So, but it is important to to continue to educate people, to continue to put information out there. And I had a post on Twitter uh, today, and I also posted it on Facebook. And I don't always do that. I don't always post COVID related stuff on. Uh, it's mo- most of my COVID rants and COVID uh, anger just goes right at Twitter. I throw it right at that wall, right at that Twitter wall. Twitter wall. <laughs> Uh, Facebook doesn't get as much. My Instagram stories gets gets a lot of memes, COVID memes, stuff like that. But actually on Facebook, I pick my spots because the algorithm, one thing, if you post too much COVID-related material, it'll 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 kill you. No one will see any of your posts. And if I'm gonna spend time on Facebook, people might as well see what I'm posting. Otherwise, why even post there? And of course, I have a, an agenda that I want to reach people. I want people to know me. I want influence. Um, I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to reach people. So if I'm going to spend my time on Facebook, I'm, I'm going to use the tool. It doesn't mean I'm going to uh, suppress my opinions and act differently. No, that's not the case at all. But I'm going to pick my spots. I'm going to do so in a reasoned way. And I decided to do that today with this post where I posted um, COVID data from Allegheny County. Allegheny County is the county where Pittsburgh is located in uh, in Pennsylvania. Um, one of the one of the largest counties in Pennsylvania. Um, and my graph just went okay. There it is. And I figure if if you post if you post a graph if if you post data, what can Facebook do? They they can put their disclaimer on it, but it just looks stupid at that point. Um, they can suppress it a little bit. But I feel like they don't suppress it as much if you're just posting raw data rather than if you're posting a meme. I feel like that gets the algorithm is not as kind to uh, to stuff like that. So what I posted today is I was talking about uh, COVID deaths just in Allegheny County. And I, um, if you look, I actually pulled this up on the uh, on the video here so you all can see it. Share. Bum, bum, bum. Okay, so I got it up on the uh, on the video feed, and my screen is flashing. Not sure if it's you're seeing that on the video side too, but it's might have a seizure. Okay, um, looking at breakdown by age, COVID deaths by age in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania. So what you look at, if you look at the, the top line, is a brown line, and it kind of goes along between 100 and 200. And then right when you get to uh, November 2020 into uh, December, January, spiking, I think, in December at 800 deaths per 100,000 is the 85 and over demographic. Then it drops off a cliff and uh, goes down, 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 almost all the way down to zero in uh, April, May, June, July, and then just comes back up a little bit. Still is the top line in the uh, in the line chart, um, and it's all, right now it's almost up to. Let's see what it's at now. It's at looks like sixty. Okay, so sixty point five uh, deaths per deaths per hundred thousand in September twenty twenty one. So that's eighty five and over. By far the majority of the deaths in Pennsylvania and everywhere in the United States. I don't say that, you know, 
I'm not just throwing that away saying like, oh, it's people are old. Who cares about them? But it's very important to point out that this is a pandemic mostly of people over the age of 85 and also over the age of 65, between 65 and 85, 84 to a lesser degree. But the vast majority of these deaths are very old people. And that's not to say we don't care about old people, but that's to say the way that we've looked at this pandemic, we have not protected old people. When I say we, I'm talking about our governors, our leaders, uh, Cuomo, Wolf, whatever the governor's name is in Michigan. They all threw COVID-positive seniors in, uh, in nursing homes at the beginning of this pandemic. They have not watched out for these individuals. Um, the Even with... People don't talk about this enough. Even when you talk about, like, with masks, masks are, are dangerous. I think masks have killed a lot of people. Not because, uh, you know, directly are they making it more dangerous wearing a mask, like you're going to get more COVID if you're wearing a mask. You, you might, actually, if you get some COVID on your mask and you're breathing. I, I don't know. That's not what I'm talking about. Because it makes people feel safe. You're wearing a mask. You see other people wearing a mask. You're grocery shopping. You're at the pharmacy. People who are elderly, 80 years old, 85 years old, people who are sickly, people who are very obese, people who have uh, have diabetes, who maybe have cancer, they're out and about, and they think because they're wearing a mask, they think they're safe. They're not. It's a false sense of security. And in that way, masking has been a mitigation put in place that I think has increased the risk of a lot of people contracting COVID, people who are most at risk for getting the worst outcomes. And I've seen almost nobody talk about that. And I don't think there's any way to really study it, but it, it makes sense. It makes a rational, logical sense. And it's, it's a shame. It's a shame. And I think if we attack this differently, uh, if you really, if you really told those people, and you could tell pretty early months into the pandemic, I mean, this isn't something's going to happen a week or two in, but months into the pandemic, if they started looking at the data and looking at, oh, look, everyone who's dying is over the age of eighty-five, or they have these comorbids, or they're severely obese, oh, why don't we tell these people who are out there in our population? that they should probably watch out, that they are the most at risk, that they should put the precautions and mitigations in place to protect their life because ultimately they are responsible for their life. Their loved ones are responsible for their life. Not all of society, no. I mean, to some degree, yes. I mean, you don't want to you know, run up to an 85-year-old and spit in their face. That would just be terrible. But... Measures could have been put in place, and this whole pandemic could have been mitigated in a very different way. Getting to my point. So my point, you have 85 and older, vast majority of the uh, the COVID deaths in the U.S. and looking today at Allegheny County in Pennsylvania, 65 to 84. So if we look at the peak in December 2020, that peaked at 136 deaths per 100,000. And the 85 and over was 819 deaths per 100,000. Let's look at the next highest. So it'd be 45 to 64. What is that at? 45 to 64. That's at 
two deaths per 100,000. And if you look at the graph, if you zoom in and you look, that is the highest point of any of, of any of 45 yeah, 45 to 64. So if you're if you're 64 or younger, 64 or younger, you had a 99.985% chance of surviving COVID. At its worst time, in December 2020, it's absolute worst impact. Before, uh, you know, the oldest people were vaccinated. When, uh, you know, before more people got natural immunity, before more people had vaccines, at the absolute worst time you could get COVID, you had less than a, <laughs> less than a 0.15% chance. Less than a zero, less than a point zero one five percent chance of getting COVID. That's ridiculous. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I posted that today on Facebook. I basically said it's up to it's up to people to lead the way out of this pandemic, and I do agree with that. And like I, t- I talked about earlier. Maybe we get out of this pandemic, but this shit with the biomedical passports is still coming in one way or another. Even if we somehow get out of this and get some semblance of of liberty back and normalcy back, they're still coming. That's all I'm going to say. With that being said, if we are to be led or get out of this pandemic, it's not going to be politicians, corporate leaders religious leaders, it's going to be the grassroots citizens that lead us out of this pandemic who just say, you know what? We're living our life. And a great example of this, it is happening to a large degree. A great example is sporting events. Uh, Concerts, not so much, but sporting events. I'll tell you the difference between the two and why it is. But So sporting events, college football particularly, and I've attended two games now, two Penn State games, each game with over 100,000 people in the stands. Nobody wearing a mask. Who knows how many are vaccinated? And uh, I don't know a single person who's went to either of those games or any Penn State games, or really, I don't know anybody who's gone to any college football games outdoors who's who's gotten COVID. That's not, I'm sure people have. Um, but I mean, it's, it hasn't been, it's not like something that's it's in the news because it's not happening with any sort of regularity. So that that's a white pill. Uh, seeing that was a white pill. The people are, they don't have that, that fear is breaking down in large parts of society. We look at concerts though. Um, concerts, a lot of concert venues give, like the, the big concert venue in Pittsburgh, outdoor venue out by the airport, is they get leave it up to the performers to determine what the requirements are. And I know the Jonas Brothers just performed in... Uh, in Pittsburgh at that venue uh, because my niece went to it and they had a, uh, an edict that you had to have either a negative test or a vaccine, uh, whatever printout, whatever the hell they call it, proof of proof of vaccination in order to get into the concert. So screw you Jonas brothers. So we're just going to keep trucking along here and I want to prepare you guys for something that a lot of people probably aren't ready for. Um, 
I gave you some white pills there, college football games going outside. COVID numbers overall across the U.S., across the world are coming down. Uh, COVID deaths, I think, are their lowest since this time last year, which is, uh, which is something. I guess I end my screen share probably. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Ended my screen share. Ended, left the studio. It didn't stop though. That's good. I think I'm still good. Still rolling. Um, okay, so yeah, there, there's white pills out there, but get ready for a black pill because this one's coming. I can see it coming. Pfizer has gotten approval for, uh, or hasn't, they haven't gotten approval yet, but they presented their study to the FDA for them to, you know, talk about it or whatever the bullshit they do for vaccines for what is it? 11, 11 to five. I think it is Moderna, J and J they're doing the same shit. And I'm telling you what's going to happen around end of November, beginning of December, they're going to roll out vaccines for kids and you know what you're going to see? It's going to be disgusting. It's going to make you vomit in your mouth. You're going to see, okay, well, your your kid, um, if they're older than five, so they can see Santa if they're vaccinated, okay? So go out and get your kid vaccinated, and then, and then they, can, uh, they can see Santa Claus, okay? <laughs> I'm preparing you now because people are going to be pissed off about this. And I... Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. But I would bet money that this is going to happen if the vaccine gets approved in time. They will use these things against you. They will use these things that we love, these traditions against us. Fauci's done it in the past with Christmas and Thanksgiving and, you know, don't gather, stay, stay, stay by yourself, don't risk your family, do it this year so you can gather next year and years to come. It's ridiculous. It's insane. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. So... Just get ready for crap like that because it's coming. I mean, it's not it's not the outright coercion, <clears throat> although that that force is already coming. And uh, Governor Newsom is pulling that shit. The worst governor in the world, Gavin Newsom, is is pulling that with kids already, saying the kids are going to be vaccinated in LA, L.A. County when it becomes available, five years old and up. So get out of California, or not L.A. County. That was that was I think that was all of California. Get out of California as fast as you can. Or homeschool your kids, but probably should probably still get out of California. Okay, so I did want to shift a little bit. So a lot of COVID talk here, and this show is called Finding Freedom. I do want to get to some a little a little bit of health talk, freedom talk in a minute here. Before I do that, though, you know, I, I think a lot of people are aware of just how bad the economy is how bad the labor shortage is and it doesn't take a you know a freaking rocket scientist to realize when you go out to dinner and the restaurant's not full but yet they're short staffed and it takes them an hour to get you your food so there's something wrong there there's not pe- people aren't working there's people aren't going back to work servers aren't going back to work and you can blame only fans that's probably a part of it but it's it's a much bigger <laughs> bigger problem than just that so a couple anecdotes that I was kind of surprised to learn, but not really, but it really drills home just how dire things are and really how bad things are going to get with our economy. So one of my good buddies, he uh, works for Penn State. He uh, runs one of the largest dining commons uh, for Penn State, actually serves the football team, all that good stuff. 
And they have several, I guess, what, five different large dining commons on campus all spread out. He's severely understaffed at his. All the other ones were severely understaffed. People, you know, kids will come in. They'll be hired, work for a day, be like, I don't want to do this and leave. A couple of reasons for that. I'll go into that in just a minute. But they've had to close two of the dining commons. And the, I mean, the school is at pretty much full capacity. Everyone's there in person. They're not doing virtual learning anymore. And uh, pe- people are back. And this is just like a, a, an example of, you know, quality of life dropping and people not wanting to work. And I mean, the reasons for that, there's a lot of them. One of them, when you look at a school like Penn State, a large uh, university system, statewide, really worldwide university system with their uh, virtual learning, uh, Penn State World Campus. But if you look at just the state of Pennsylvania, all the branch campuses, it's a huge, huge organization. But at the main campus especially, I think this is accurate. I could be wrong, but I think at main campus that their enrollment Almost 50% close to that is international students. Now, that might be a little lower due to COVID right now, but I think in the years past, it was creeping up there. So international students, who comes to, to school to study internationally for the most part? People have a lot of money. Parents who uh, can afford to send their children across the ocean uh, from Asia, from Europe, from wherever uh, to go to school in, in the United States. So when they go to school here, do they work? Maybe if it's an easy job, they will. Are going to want to work in a kitchen washing dishes? Probably not. Probably not. And uh, I mean, on top of that, just even in the United States, you got tu- tuition rates are so high, and people are, kids are starting to understand. Parents are starting to understand as well that spending twenty thousand dollars a year on an education, when that things are changing so quickly with technology and business and how things are done and marketing and the whole landscape is changing so quickly by the time you graduate college what you learned your freshman and sophomore year is already out of date and your degree is out of date that's to say even if you want to go and work in the field that you got your degree in which most people don't i didn't most people i know work in a different field than than their uh degree is in so they're starting to you look at the just an roi on that and it's it's not there it gets to a certain point even, even if the parents are the ones paying for it, you get to an ROI. It's like, okay, why am I paying $100,000, $150,000 to send my kid to school, $200,000 to send my kid to school, to pay for boarding, to pay for you know room and food and all that stuff? Why am I paying that? Maybe I could just invest in them to start a business. Maybe they take some business classes. Um, you know, Maybe they start a... Uh, Maybe they, they learn a skill. You know, maybe they become a plumber, electrician, start their own company. So, so many different directions to go in now. Maybe they learn to code. That education is really only for the rich. It's only for the people who can afford the luxury of it. Education has become a luxury. Not because, not because it's... Well, it, it is because it's so expensive. I mean, the student loan's can get you there. So almost anybody can go and course their scholarships and stuff, but because it's not freaking worth it. It's just a, it's a status symbol. It's something that 
Um, it's becoming more and more something that rich people do as a status signal. And it's been that way for a long time. I mean, parents putting the sticker on the back of their car, you know, my kid goes to, you know, Duke or Virginia Tech or freaking Georgetown or Harvard or Penn State or they won't say that for Ohio State. Do Ohio State parents put uh, put stickers on the back? I don't think they do. I don't think they put stickers on the back of their car for their kids going there. But... Uh, <laughs> Okay, moving on to my next anecdote. And this one is down just the next level down education. So we're talking higher education. Let's come down to uh, high school, uh, junior high, grade school. My mother-in-law works at a, uh, a lo- local school district, and she manages the cafeteria, the dining commons there. I know a lot of people who work in food. I don't know why. My, my wife, my wife majored in hotel and restaurant management, and she worked in restaurants, managing restaurants. I don't know why I know so many people in food. I, I love food. I love to eat. Anyway, so she's worked there for, for years and years and years. And Pennsylvania brought in uh, with COVID last year and is continuing it this year with the, the funding. It's called... Called the free school. It's free school meals. So what it is, uh, I don't know. I'm not seeing the name for it. Funded by U.S. Department of Agriculture, Food Nutrition Services, and uh, essentially, what I don't see the official name of the program. I guess it's the National School Lunch Program. Is what it is, and it used to only be for certain uh, income income qualifiers in order to get it, which. I think was, I don't know, I think it was fairly, I mean, you had to be poor to get it, I think, uh, for the most part. But they've expanded it to everyone. So people look at this, liberals love it. They're, oh, yeah, we're feeding all the kids. All the kids are eating. Equality, all the kids are eating the same thing. So that's exactly what they do. And they're feeding these kids. And because it's freaking, uh, it's COVID and they eat in their classroom, they don't go to the cafeteria, they can't walk through a line and pick out what they want. They all get the same exact thing. They all get the same exact food. And my mother-in-law is telling me uh, over the weekend that this Monday, they're going to be serving grilled cheese and asparagus. So imagine you are, you know, junior high kid, whatever, grade school kid, and your lunch is grilled cheese and asparagus. How many kids that age eat asparagus? 5%, 10% at the most. How many have seen asparagus? probably half have not even seen asparagus in their life so you know it's great it's not great but feet trying to feed kids like if you're at home i i love asparagus you know my, my daughter eats she loves vegetables I mean, it's, it's it's amazing she eats almost any food but most kids do not the place to try foods is uh, in small quantities when you're at your house, when you're uh, when it's the parents feeding uh, the children around the dinner table, trying different foods. That's the place to uh, you know introduce asparagus, introduce uh, you know some some different uh, exotic foods, trying things that are are spicy, seeing if kids like them. The place to try asparagus out on an entire uh, entire school is not in a school lunch program. That's ridiculous. And so it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not, I was going to say it's comical. It's not comical because the, the food waste is absolutely absurd. Uh, my mother-in-law is telling me that there is so much waste, especially with, you know, think about just imagine all these asparagus from all these lunches, not getting eaten, uh, not getting ate, (laughs) 
can't speak and thrown into these garbage cans. She's saying like how heavy these garbage cans get. They did oranges last week. Kids didn't want to peel the oranges. They just threw them away. It's, it's sad. And there's all this waste and you look at grocery stores and there's no food in the grocery stores. You're, they're running out of stock. The, the, the shelves are going barren. This is the, it's the degradation of society that we're seeing in front of us. It's the failure of communism. We're seeing the failure of communism in front of us. And yes, we do still have capitalistic, capitalistic aspects to our society, but more and more, year over year over year, we get more communism. You get more communism, what do you get? You get a shittier life. That's just a fact. More communism, shittier life. And that's what's happening. So you have these food programs. And to even, to even take it up another, another level, in uh, a place, you know, different places, school boards can get involved and start to design the menus where these kids are going to eat. And uh, my mother-in-law's joking, they're going to have me, they're going to have her rolling sushi. She'll be rolling sushi for freaking fifth graders who never tried it before, throwing away all kinds of fresh fish. It's insane. It's central planning. It's communism. And it fails. It fails. And uh, that's, that's that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing throughout our society. It's, uh, it's disgusting. It's depressing. And I don't know what else to tell you. I'm going to get a drink of water. Then I'm going to get a drink of delicious bourbon. All right. I want to talk a little bit about health freedom. I'm going to talk about aspirin in a minute. Before I do that, though, I, I just want to make sure that everyone out there who's listening to this, vaxxed or not vaxxed, I don't care who you are. I don't care. I mean, that's your personal decision. I think, I, I mean, I think plenty of people should, based on a, a risk management decision, should probably get vaccinated. You know, if you have comorbids, comorbids, if you're overweight, if you uh, if you're over a certain age, if you're probably over 65, 70, you probably want to get vaccinated. I don't know if you want to get all these boosters. I mean, that's that's a whole different friggin' thing there. But you you, you got to wait. I mean, COVID is a real disease. It does knock the crap out of you um, if you have certain risk factors. So if you have those risk factors, that's your decision. But I'm not going to fault anybody for getting vaccinated. Even, you know, even healthy people. If you want to get vaccinated, that's your business. Do what you want to. I mean, that's that's fine. So when I say that everyone should be doing this, vaxxed or unvaxxed, I think it's important because you can still get COVID if you're not vaccinated. You can still get a cold. You can still get a flu. Um, you can still get chronic inflammation. So I think it's really important that people supplement with vitamin D. And, you know, it's great to get outside too, but get your levels of vitamin D tested and you need to supplement with, with vitamin D as well. You need to supplement with, with zinc. You need to supplement with Qcertin. This is, this is even more important in the winter. And I've never understood, like my entire life, I've hated being sick. I've never wanted to be sick. Even when I was like in... When I was in, in high school, I remember I would feel a cold coming on and I would start popping vitamin C. This is before, you know, I was started taking vitamin D, started taking zinc, started taking Quercetin, um, started taking, you know, bioavailable multivitamins, started taking immune enhancing supplements. 
I, I would just do it with vitamin C. And honestly, sometimes just with that, it would work. And maybe that's placebo effect, but honestly, I don't give a shit because it worked. And I, I'm someone who's who's big into, uh, you know, I, I used to be, well, I haven't had a cold in so long. Um, I used to be whenever I'd feel cold coming on I would, with the Zycam. I mean, with the Zycam, every whatever it is, three hours, five hours you can take it, I'd be taking the Zycam. And that, for the most part, works to, to shorten or even avoid a uh, a cold. And I've never understood people who like embrace being sick, who like just, just like, oh, I'm sick. And then just they just like, oh, I'm just going to drink NyQuil and lay around. And sure, you need rest. You need to get sleep. You need all that stuff. You don't want to you know affect a bunch of other people. But like it's it's a mindset. I feel like boosting your immunity to a certain point, it's a mindset that you're not gonna get sick. And that's not to say that like you're never gonna get sick. I'm not saying that you can control um getting sick or not wholly with your mind, but I think it absolutely has an effect on it. And supplements I think absolutely help in a way to boost your immunity, but also Boosting that placebo effect, giving you the confidence uh, that your body not only can can overcome things, but can can block them out. You know, I, I think honestly, by this point in time, COVID's been around for probably in the United States for almost two years, about that. And by this point in time, I think everyone has bumped into it, has been exposed to someone who is COVID positive. Uh, you know, maybe not contagious, maybe contagious, but getting exposed to a little bit of the virus. They bumped into some virus. And just because you're exposed to it doesn't mean you're going to get sick, that you're going to, that uh, SARS-CoV-2 is going to become COVID-19 and you're going to become symptomatic. A lot of people who are healthy, who uh, their immune system's functioning well, they're well rested, they weren't, um, you know, they're not hung over. They weren't out drinking their face off the night before. Um, that's not to say never drink. I'm saying you got it. Really, I mean, I think if you are outgoing, if you're going, if you're a younger person, you're going out drinking, drinking at bars. You're staying up late. You're not sleeping a lot. Um, you got to be. I think you got to be careful, or you just got to resign yourself to the fact that you're definitely getting COVID, and it's probably going to be a bad case. And you can mitigate that somewhat, probably with vitamins. But uh, <clears throat> I don't know. I think it's very possible to not get COVID just by boosting your immunity. And I'm not saying like get it and get a mild case. I'm saying not get it because how often do you have when like, uh, you know, your kids get sick with, uh, with the cold, which is either a coronavirus or a rhinovirus or something like that. Um, your kids get sick and they're coughing on you and all that stuff and you're taking care of them. You don't get sick. Maybe you feel a little scratch in your throat or something. Um, and then you, you, uh, maybe you take supplements, maybe you don't, maybe you just drink water, maybe you just get rest and, and you, the sickness does not pass on to you. And there's different reasons for that, but I think a lot of it is that, that, that immune system is a wall. So work on your immunity. This is finding freedom. I wanted to give you some way to reclaim your freedom. Um, claim your immunity, take ownership of your own immunity. Uh, it's, it's your body. Take care of it. And uh, help it to become a wall of defense against, uh, you know, against different viruses. So, okay. I want to talk about aspirin. Why is aspirin in the news? Well, it's not necessarily new. I remember reading an article 
about aspirin lowering the risk of COVID, I think back in February or March of this year. But now there's a new study out that suggests that just taking aspirin, just like the, the one little baby aspirin, I think that's what it is, uh, a day, reduce the risk of reaching mechanical ventilation by 44%. Um, ICU admissions were lowered by 43%. And overall in-hospital mortality saw, saw a 47% decrease. This is just with aspirin. And there's also a prophylactic, where does it say? There's... There's a, there's a prophylactic uh, use as well, which I'm not seeing cited in this article, but it's it's incredible. I mean, because COVID, it makes sense. Be, uh, you know, when it, when COVID first started, and even for for months and e- year for for a long time, um, scientists were saying this is a respiratory virus, where they've determined it's not a respiratory virus; it is a blood virus, and it's causing the respiratory problems through the blood, through um, blood clotting and different things of that nature. So if you're able to thin your blood with aspirin, uh, it helps. It helps to, to mitigate the mitigate the problems. So that makes sense to me. And so what happens? That comes out that aspirin, just taking aspirin alone, which a lot of people over 65, guess what? They're already taking it. That's great. Maybe that's why a lot of people aren't getting COVID because they're taking it just on their doctor's advice to mitigate against a uh, cardiovascular disease, right? So that's good. That's good. Well, I guess apparently not. Apparently not, because what came out today, um, New York Times, aspirin use to prevent first heart attack or stroke should be stopped. That's what a U.S. panel says. Adults at high risk for a cardiovascular disease may face serious side effects if they start a daily regimen of low-dose aspirin. Well, why have the, we not heard about this to this point? Um, why aren't we hearing about all these serious side effects that people are facing in the past 10, 20, 15 years? I mean, I can't even count an order. I'm so freaking fired up by this. It, this is insane. Like, what is even happening? What What, what is happening? Something comes out, a, a very cheap, affordable, easy treatment mitigation against COVID. And the next day they, they, they cut it out from under. They still do say that if you've had a heart attack, if you've had cardiovascular disease, you should keep taking aspirin, but everyone else should stop. This is insane. This, I mean, what this does. So it's crazy how they do this. And you know, people say, oh, they're just incompetent. They're just stupid. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. Because think about how this works. You have all this news coming out with this study out of uh, out of Israel with aspirin helping to prevent bad COVID cases half the time. The next day, it comes out that people should stop taking aspirin for heart disease. So when people just type in aspirin in Google, think, oh, I just heard about this thing with aspirin helping COVID. Let me type it in Google. Aspirin. What comes up? Oh, you should stop taking aspirin. It's insane. I mean, I, I don't even know what else to say at this point. Like, it's we are so far past um, incompetence. <laughs> I mean, this is evil. This is just evil freaking people, man. And I, I don't I don't know what else to tell you here. This is this is crazy. And like the, the American College of Cardiology, American Heart Association, you know, th- this is coming from their recommendations. American Heart Association 
is a sham and they're horrible. Any freaking heart association that says eating freaking Cheerios is good for your heart. Just, just disband yourself. Just end the organization. Now delete your account, give all your money to charity. Just end it. Cause it's absurd. It's absurd. Like how can these people be taken seriously? I don't know how anyone can take these people seriously. Ah, God, I feel like Brian McWilliams. Okay. Wow. Let's wind down. Let's, let's wind the show down. I've been going for, going for a long time here. We're going to take a, a quick break here. I want to tell you about another awesome podcast. And I know you're, you're thinking to yourself, John, I don't need another podcast. There's so many podcasts. I'm here to tell you, you do. You do need another podcast. You need to listen to Good Morning Liberty with Nate and Charlie. Um, these are two guys that bring a fresh take to the Liberty conversation. Um, they have a background in healthcare. They're entrepreneurs. They, uh, they're very educated in, in finance and markets and the stock market. They run a really interesting current events style show that keeps it uh, funny and entertaining. You definitely don't want to miss their segment every Friday, the dumb bleep of the week. They do five shows per week. They're bringing you great content. Good morning, Liberty. Check them out. Okay, want to tell you also, about friend of the show, longtime supporter of Lions of Liberty, Tyler Colford, aka Crypto Man, and uh, his new track, his new song, First World Problems. If you haven't heard, I'm going to play a clip of it in just a minute here. In the song, Tyler doesn't hold back. He he rips into cancel culture, grifters, inflation. It's a really good song. It's a really fresh take. Please, wherever you listen to your music, be it Spotify, iHeartRadio. Please go and uh, like and follow Crypto Man so you get all his music. Support our friend Tyler, a, uh, a guy out there who is fighting for liberty, uh, fighting that cultural battle. And uh, I'm going to play a clip of that new song right now. Check it out. Cost of education when internet is free. Blind So I, I do want to end, and if you ha- if you listen to my show for a while, you might remember way back when you know when I had Felony Friday, and I w- I would bring people on to talk about different news stories, much like this episode, but uh, with another person other than myself. I would play a game called "Is it a crime?" and "Should they do time?" Is it a crime? And we're going to play that game today with myself. Yes, you can play games with yourself. There's no problem with it. So what this is, is we're going to talk about a news story. And then um, what I'm going to say is if this person, in fact, committed a crime and if there should they should do any time or pay a fine. And this is not like based on, oh, well, the, the law says they have to do this. They broke the law. Shut up, okay? That's not what this is about. This is about me being the judge of my own law, making my own laws. That's what this is about. 
So title of this article, Elderly Florida Mother Jailed for Bucking Hospital COVID Rules Refusing to Leave Daughter's Bedside. Okay, so let's get into it. A Florida mother says she stands by her actions 100% and is not sorry for spending a night in jail after breaking a hospital's coronavirus visitation rules by refusing to leave her recovering daughter's bedside. Lynn Savage, 70, was booked for trespassing following the incident that unfolded at UF Health North in Jacksonville on October 4th. Quote, I could not in good conscience and good heart leave her bedside not knowing how she was going to make it through the night voluntarily. So what happened here to uh, kind of tell the story quickly, Savage's daughter um, has uh, some um, issues. She's par- partially paralyzed. She's nonverbal um, due to a, a stroke that, that she uh, that she suffered. And she was in for a, uh, a brain operation, not coronavirus related here. Um, although they, they probably labeled her as being a coronavirus ho- hospitalization. Uh, so she's in for this surgery, and the doctors actually called the mother into the room. They couldn't get her to calm down. They said, you know, can you please calm your daughter down, help her out? And, you know, she did, and, and, and uh, you know, think things were going well. And it comes to the end of the, uh, the COVID visitation, which I'm assuming is like way less than regular visitation, and – they say, listen, you, you got to leave now. You got to leave. And the mother says, no, I'm, I'm not leaving. Um, call the doctor who asked me to come in here and comfort my daughter and have that doctor tell me to leave. They refused to call the doctor and they called in a, uh, they called in the police to uh, escort her out. And she went to jail for a night. This woman spent a night in jail for trespassing, for staying by her daughter's bedside, who had just had a major surgery, um, her daughter being nonverbal, partially paralyzed, and needing her mother's help dearly. So you might say, John, this one is easy. Why'd you pick this one? Well, you know what? After today's episode, I needed an easy one. So absolutely, this is not a crime. I'm 100%. She should not do time or pay a fine. Um, but there is a crime here. There is a crime here. Uh, this hospital is committing a crime. This hospital is committing... I, I don't even know what you call It's neg- neg- negligent behavior. It's, uh, it's nefarious is what it is. And operating... In this way, and this, this is honestly what we're going to see happen with these COVID hours and COVID protocols. These will become the new norm. And this is just the further degradation of our medical systems, of our hospital systems in this country. And there will be less visitation. <clears throat> there will be worse care. There will be less hospital rooms. And that's the result of... It's not the result of COVID. It is going to be the excuse of the downgrading of our medical systems because of COVID. So, yeah, you know, I don't know who's the one breaking the law is the one who called the cops on her. That's that's who committed the crime here, who sent a seven-year-old woman who was caring for her daughter, who just had a major surgery, 
who already was nonverbal, partially paralyzed, needed her mother's help. Some heartless son of a bitch committed a crime here. And should they do time? Probably not. I don't see any point in them doing time. But they should pay a fine. They should pay uh, some restitution for separating that mother from her daughter in that time of need. They should uh, you know, pay for a vacation for the mother. Maybe they should be the mother's butler for a month. I'm the judge. I'll go creative. They should be the mother's butler for a month. Let's do that. I think that would be great. Woo! <laughs> well, that's the show, my friends. This is uh, one of the longest solo shows I've ever done. And what happened was when I was looking for articles, I just kept finding stuff I wanted to talk about. So maybe I need to do these more often. Maybe I don't. Maybe this was uh, you know rambling nonsense, but... I enjoy it, and it's therapeutic for me, so I don't really care. I do care. Actually, I do care. I care that you guys enjoy it, because I wouldn't have this show if it wasn't for you all listening out there, not only listening to this show, but listening to our Monday show with Mark Clare, our Wednesday show with Brian McWilliams. And uh, if you haven't already, you're missing out if you're not subscribing. And I'll tell you why. Because I do this on other podcasts, and I, I kick myself sometimes. What I'll do is I, I won't subscribe to the podcast feed and I'll say, you know what? I will just uh, I'll just go look at the feed and see if there's any episodes recently that I, that I want to listen to. And you know, I won't name any podcast names, but I've done this recently. And then I'll look back and I'll say, oh, shit, there's like three that I wish I listened to. And I'm, I'm way behind on stuff and it's not good. So don't miss out, guys. You know, I want you to listen to every show, but I know people have limited time. Subscribing to a show, every single show is going to come to your phone, to your listening device, to your little ears, if you want to hit that play button and have it come through. So don't miss out on one of these shows that we have. I got a great show coming up next week. I know Mark has several great guests coming up. Very excited to hear from Brian as always, um, you know, a lot of his shows are, are current events, shows like, like mine today, but uh, he does. He has been throwing in more and more guests, and you never know what wild card he's going to throw you. Bringing in Dave Rubin a couple weeks ago, great example of that. So don't miss out. Subscribe. Subscribe to Lions of Liberty on your podcasting app. And uh, if you like us, if you really, really like us, join us on Patreon, join us on Locals. Um, Patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Lionsofliberty.locals.com. We post all of our bonus content, um, uh, the live videos to to Locals, to uh, of our our interviews. Um, Actually, I can't even talk anymore. It's been such a long show. So we have bonus content if you're a patron. Um, That is posted to... Both sites, locals and, and Patreon. We also, another form of that bonus content is you can watch shows live. And we do that with private YouTube links. Um, hopefully, eventually, some private Odyssey links or something like that. and uh, Or we stream live to our Facebook group. That's almost every interview we do that. This show was not streamed live because it's just me talking. But it will be available on, uh, on video. And we also have merchandise and all that good stuff. We have a crazy discount on merchandise just for being in the pride. So go check it out. And uh, also check out our store, lionsofliberty.store. 
Check out our hands up, don't nuke design. One of the greatest t-shirts out there. Um, we have been selling them. It's it's our most popular t-shirt. It really is. Um, it's it's our newest t-shirt in the store. So it's not that surprising, but it is selling the most. It's, it's our most popular. So go go pick one up. Don't miss out. With that, guys, I am I'm worn out. I feel like I've been through a fight, but I feel good. I feel good. I feel like I got some of that on my chest. I feel better. Feel better about myself. Feel better about the future of the world. Maybe we can win this. Maybe we can beat these people. Maybe, maybe we want to all end with uh, biomedical passports. Maybe we can push back. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. Oh,